Hello there, content creators. You're listening to the She's Got Content podcast, where it's all about creating content for your coaching business. I'm your host, Dr. Melissa Brown, and I'm here every week to help you get your content out of your head, out of your heart, and out there into the world, where that information and your services can impact the most people. Get ready to take notes today and then take action, content creators. Let's dive in with today's episode because you've got content to get out there. Hi there, and welcome back to another episode of the She's Got Content podcast. My guest today is Jillian Beck Rogers, a certified health and life coach. Jillian is on a mission to help busy professionals transform their relationship with food and exercise so they can have the energy and the confidence they crave. I was talking with Jillian a while back about how she attracts clients at her business, and one word stood out, relationships. So even though Jillian is not a relationship coach per se, that's what she's all about, building relationships with referral partners, potential and eventual clients, and helping her clients redefine and build healthy relationships with food and exercise. So I invited Jillian to come on the podcast to talk about relationships and inspire you to build all kinds of relationships in your coaching business too. Welcome, Jillian. Hi, thank you for having me here. Oh, it's my pleasure. I like to get started with just asking a basic question, which is really easy to answer. How did you get involved in health coaching? That is the million dollar question. So I used to actually work in fashion design, very different from health coaching. And I lived in New York city for many years. And I thought that's all I ever wanted to do. Realized a few years in, this is not what I wanted to spend the rest of my life doing. And what the heck else am I going to do? And after a lot of soul searching and really looking at what I wanted out of my career, what I wanted relationship wise with the people that I was working with, what I wanted to put out into the world, I wanted to put out more good into the world instead of more SHIT, I like to say. (laughs) Fashion is very wasteful. And I looked at all of the things that I really cared about movement, exercise, wanting to help people, healthy eating turning from a person who does not work out, being a person who does enjoy going to the gym and moving their body and looking at all of those things together and health coaching just really stood out to me. And so I became a health and life coach and here we are. Where did you get your training in health and life coaching? I went to HCI. So got my certification there as a health and life coach and I loved it. Awesome. I believe you went there too, right? I went to IPEC. Institute for Professional Excellence in Coaching. Okay. I thought it was HCI. Which is mostly focused on life coaching. Okay. Interesting. So you probably have a lot of insight about corporate life, (laughs) having spent that time in fashion. And Mm -hmm. just a little caveat, my granddaughter is leaving on Saturday for art school and she wants to go into fashion design. Oh, how exciting. Yeah. So I'm just curious what your answer to this question is going to be, because having spent that time in corporate life, what stood out for you regarding stress levels? Yeah, I've noticed, and I think this is with a lot of industries, but stress is just the norm. And I think a lot of people wear it as a badge of honor, and I'm Mm -hmm. guilty of this myself. I think old habits die hard. 
I think people like to run around looking extremely busy. Not that they aren't, they are. And the more stressed you are, the more important you feel and the more, I guess, qualified you are for doing your job in a sense. And it almost just feels like if you're not stressed and running around crazy, then, you know, you need to be doing more. So yeah, it was a very stressful environment. There's a lot of cooks in the kitchen as what I found to be the case. And it's just a very high stress environment where you're just go, go, go. And you may not have a set time that you can eat lunch or take a break for a second and things like that. So a lot of stress all of the time. That kind of reminds me of what medical practice was like for me. Oh yeah. And no set times for meals, not time to exercise. If you took that time, it was like, well, you're taking away from patient time. It's Mm -hmm. just, it's crazy because here you're giving all this advice for the parents of the patients because I was in pediatrics and yet you're not able to, well, it's very difficult. Let's put it that way. Mm -hmm. It's not that you're not able to, but it's difficult to spend that time for yourself to do that Mm self-care. Giving all this advice for other people to do what you're not able to do for yourself. It's hard because it makes you feel in some ways like a fraud if you're not doing what you're practicing, what you preach. Mm. But I think in some ways it's good having those experiences because it helps me relate to a lot of my clients because most of my clients, they're not business owners. A lot of them are working nine to fives or in the corporate world. Some I even know from my past career as well. So just being able to relate to that now that I do have a little bit more flexibility in my schedule being like a business owner. Mm-hmm. It's nice to be able to relate to that feeling of not having quite as much freedom with your schedule. Tell me about what you noticed with this high stress lifestyle and the connection with this concept of stress eating relationship with food. Mm-hmm. What was it that really stood out about that, that you said, okay, this is going to become my mission here. It didn't start out with that niche particularly, but I noticed of all the clients that I enjoyed, I mean, I enjoyed all my clients, but the ones that I felt the most fulfilled in helping them make their small achievements and their big wins, the thing that they all had in common was they would turn to food for comfort when they were stressed, bored, or have anxiety over something. And the food was always just this comfort going back to either it reminded them of their childhood, or it was just something to help them get through the day when they were highly stressed and overcoming that feeling of almost being at the mercy of your cravings and your food all the time. Overcoming that was such a big win for them. And I really wanted to help people with that more. Yeah. I'm sure you probably find a lot of people who have that kind of a relationship with food in the high stress industries. And coaching can be really high stress. If you think about all the different aspects of a coaching career, if you're launching a product or you've got a new offering and that whole pre-launch up to launch time, I can imagine that you probably could find a lot of coaches who might be in your niche. Yeah, I mean, definitely. Even for myself, I have to watch myself. And I like to say, Cause I'll tell people what I do a lot of time and they'll be like, Oh, I'm guilty of that. And they'll almost feel embarrassed is the sense that I get. And I almost want people to know that enjoying food or feeling comforted by it is not inherently a bad thing. I think that it just becomes more of a problem if it's covering up 
a bigger problem underneath, which is probably like the source of stress or a truth you're not coming to terms with or something like that, or it's leading to other health problems. If it's leading to unwanted weight gain, or you're not feeling good about yourself, then it's a problem. Or if you just feel like you have zero control over your body and you're just at the mercy of your cravings, I think those are three things where I say maybe the stress eating, comfort eating is becoming a little bit of a problem. And you're right. Coaches are not exempt from that. Like I said, even with myself, you know, if Mm -hmm. I'm launching or doing something where I'm nervous about the outcome, I can be highly stressed. And I have to catch myself in those moments where if I'm like, Ooh, I just want to go get a handful of chocolate chips and I'll be like, (laughs) okay, so why do I want that? Am I actually hungry right now? Do I actually need that? Have I not eaten enough today? Am I actually deficient in some other mineral? And that's why I am craving some chocolate right now. That's another reason for cravings. Or a big one is I know a lot of people turn to a glass of wine every night in order to calm down. I typically try not to drink too much during the week, but if I find myself wanting to have a glass of wine to relax, And if it's coming off of a day where I'm highly stressed, or I feel like I'm using the glass of wine to calm myself down, I will not have it. I will just Mm -hmm. entirely skip it because I don't want it to be that crutch or that comfort food that's helping me to relax. I want to do it in a more honest and healthy way that's actually nourishing me and not just covering up the problem. You're right. Coaches can have this problem as well. (laughs) Yeah. Well, so many of those things that you just mentioned, I think I can relate to. And I'm sure that a lot of coaches and a lot of people that are listening today can relate to that. Mm -hmm. I'm curious, what's been the best way for you to, up to this point, to get clients in your coaching business? Where do most of them come from? When I really start to think about it, I think the two biggest things are meeting people in real life the old fashioned way and referrals. So meeting folks in real life, I do a lot of things locally. I just moved to Los Angeles in the last year and a half after being in New York city for eight and a half years. And so a little bit of a change, but still a big city. And so it turns out you got to go out and find new friends and get to know the area. So I've been doing a lot of women's groups and activities all over Los Angeles. I do local hiking group activities and things like that. And I usually tend to connect with people on Instagram afterwards. And I don't go into a lot of these things looking for clients per se. It's more so to make friends and just make connections. But relationships. Relationships. Like. And I've connected with them on Instagram afterwards. And some of those pan out to be people who are looking for some help and are interested in a health coach and having my content on Instagram has been very helpful for them to connect with me further. I had a girl that I was just having dinner with. We were just being friends. I had no idea she was interested whatsoever. And she actually brought it up. She was like, can you be my health coach and asking me all these questions? And it was because she saw my Instagram after that's how we connected. I actually didn't say at all what I had done for my career when we met. So it was nice to have that there that she was able to see my content. Okay. So meeting people in person, which now thank heavens with COVID restrictions behind us then you can actually do that networking in person, if you will. And it sounds like you just incorporate your networking into your daily life because some of these groups that you're actually meeting people who are potential or eventual clients, these groups are not necessarily a business networking group. 
No. And I do a lot of networking that are more business related as well. And I've met people through there, connect with them further on social media and take it from there. But yeah, a lot of these are just fun things that I do because I'm very big in trying to have fun in my business. There was a period in my last career where I just wasn't having fun anymore. And I know business is not all fun, but I want to have a good time. So I feel most genuine in making those relationships when I'm doing it in a fun way that's low key, low pressure and doing like a fun activity or getting to know my city. Yeah. A lot of these are not business groups. They are just fun activities for women here in Los Angeles. That kind of reminds me, oh gosh, it's probably going back maybe close to 10 years ago. There was a woman who started this thing called staycation and it was day activities in the area where people could all get together and do something fun. And it was a networking disguised as fun things that you could do, but it was really networking. And it was really popular. It was really a cool event. We did things like a bunch of women got together at uh, like a Bobby Brown makeup place mm-hmm. and everybody had their makeup done. And it was just, it was like oh, a real fun. cool bonding experience. And I think there was a spa kind Always of a good one. Yeah. And <laughs> they gave special rates for the day for the people who were participating. So yeah, mm-hmm. those are the kinds of things where you're going to meet people and you're not really necessarily thinking about, oh, okay, I've got to get clients here. But right. those relationships are built with activities like that. So mm-hmm. yeah, Much so more fun. tell me about referrals. How do you get referrals from other people who may know someone who wants to connect with you? I could probably be more strategic about this in the future, but so far it's just kind of come to me. Sometimes I will reach out and ask people if they know of anybody, but the people that have come to me, I actually didn't even necessarily realize that they were a referral, but somebody Mm -hmm. had referred them to me. They checked out my social media. They saw what I was about, or they had joined one of my free events. I did a free wellness challenge. That was a few weeks. And that was really, really fun. And one of the women had joined that. And then we started working together afterwards. They get into my world. They see my content. They see a little bit more about what I'm about. And then we have a call together and they start working with me. Okay. Well, I'm sure that a lot of the content creators here listening want to know, because you've mentioned it a few times about how you continue the conversation over an Instagram. What type of content do you find helps connect with your ideal client the most? And I'm assuming that most of that would be connection through Instagram or social media or fill in the blanks. Tell us how that works for you. Yeah. So for me, the most content I focus on is social media and email. Mm -hmm. I have a love hate relationship with social media. Oh, don't Um, we all? (laughs) Yeah. Don't we all? (laughs) And I'm primarily on Instagram. Some days I love it. Some days I hate it. Um, But I do find, I feel like the most genuine version of myself when I get to engage on Instagram and I am in that mode of really enjoying it. And I really like to focus on putting a mix of personal and professional onto my Instagram. I think some people may find that debatable. Like it just needs to be very professional, but I find that people go there and find out more about you, but they really connect with you more when I'm sharing pictures of my dog or right. fun things that I've done on the weekend. You got the most cute, the <laughs> cutest dog. 
I'm obsessed with her. So yeah, Uh, I'm trying to not have her completely take over my Instagram, but we're getting there (laughs) pretty close. Um, But yeah, I feel like people get to know you more when you share just personal things about you that aren't necessarily business related. They like who they're seeing and they will be more likely to then engage with my other more business professional content. Mm -hmm. And I really had to learn to try to let go a little bit about obsessing over the vanity metrics and how much engagement I'm having, especially when it's how to post or things that are a little bit more business forward because people may not engage, but clearly people have been reading it and refer to it because they tell me before they get on a call with me, oh, I looked at all your different posts and I really resonated with this, this, and this, Mm -hmm. or they'll DM me in the comments and reply when I said DM me call or something like that. Okay. And they'll start a conversation in the DM. So clearly people do read it, even though like sometimes I'd never even heard of them before. I had no idea they were paying attention. So it's good mm-hmm. to just have it there and not yeah. get obsessed with the metrics around it. <laughs> well, and that kind of falls under the category that I call do the activity and let go of the outcome because you just don't know. I had an experience actually this week where I got an email from somebody who responded to an email I had sent out two months ago. Oh, and wow. she said she had been just scrolling through her inbox and the subject line jumped out at her mm-hmm. and she read it and she just hit reply and said, I needed to hear this. I needed to hear it mm-hmm. today. Even though you wrote this two months ago, I needed to hear this today. And thank you so much for putting this out, for writing it, Aww. which- made my day. I'm Isn't telling. that like the best feedback yeah, the to best. hear? <laughs> yes. And I thanked her for that feedback because I said, you just made my day. <laughs> and oh. that just goes to show we don't know what kind of impact we're making on a day-to-day basis. So just do the activity, let go of the outcome and it's all worth it. It's yeah. all worth it. And so, I will admit I'm not always the best with that, but you're right. It's in knowing like I tend to, I work very fast. I'm pretty quick. I would say answering messages, answering emails, things like that, but it's good to take a step back and remember that other people have things going on, especially when you are mostly B2C, like people have lives. They may not yes. answer your email for two months, but that doesn't mean that people aren't reading it. So that's a good reminder. Right. Right. And then especially if you're putting out a newsletter and you're giving valuable information, that type of content in your newsletter where you don't always get responses from people mm-hmm. and they may be reading it, enjoying it, and then continuing to read it week after week, but not necessarily tell you that they're reading it because right. I've done that where I haven't actually hit reply yeah. and told somebody, wow, I love these emails. I know uh, I do that all the time. Yeah. <laughs> I rarely do reply. So yeah. It's important to build that relationship with the people in the email list and I think it was Kate Doster who recently said, if you're not sending your emails out on a regular basis and you're ghosting the people on your list, you can't be building a relationship with somebody you're ghosting. Mm -hmm. So just do the activity and let go of the outcome. True. Yeah. Words of wisdom. Right. Curious, what tool have you found to be most effective for getting clients? Yes. I really love bomb bomb videos. I mean, I get very nervous before I'm about to do them, but I feel so relieved and enjoy it more. Once I just get going, just doing like the first step and then just getting started is always the hardest thing. 
-hmm. but I like bomb bomb videos because I mean, ironically, I don't really actually love video. I'm trying to learn to love video Mm -hmm. and get better with it, but I I do love, (laughs) (laughs) I love the personal touch though. Like it's nice to just be able to have somebody hear your voice and see your face and give them a personalized message. Sometimes I'll even be silly. And I have like a paddle with like their name written on it. So Cause I remember receiving one of those myself from another mm-hmm. coach who I actually got that inspiration from the idea. And the fact that I saw my name on a sign from this pretty mega coach that she took the time to make a video just for me was really huge. And That's, I think that personal that is, touch. Yeah. So nice. We're talking about building relationships and wow, that just puts your no like, and trust factor on steroids. Mm-hmm. So bomb bomb, I don't know if there might be others that are like bomb bomb, but bomb bomb is that personalized video that can be sent through email, right? Yeah. And that's the tool we're talking about here. Yeah. And I know some people who I'm trying to think of what another one was called. It's escaping me, but I know some people will just send a video message from their phone. Mm-hmm. The nice thing about bomb bomb is you can, you have to pay for it. So, you know, there's that added factor, but you get to track it. You can see if they've opened it, they can reply to it. It has a lot more metrics that you can gauge if people are actually viewing your video rather than it just going out into the ether and you have no idea if somebody's seen it. Mm -hmm. So it's nice for that as well. I always send a bomb bomb video after I have a discovery call with a potential client. And if they want to think it over, we usually connect a few days later, like a week. But I'll mm-hmm. send them a couple of emails in between. And one of them has a little video message from me, just talking about what we had talked about in our call, what I'm excited about for them, and just a very genuine message from me. And half the time I've had them even cancel our follow-up call and be like, I've decided I'm going to join. And just having that personal video really helps people make a decision either way. Individualized attention is really, really important with building the relationships and getting people to know and like and trust you. I wanted to ask you when we were talking about the content that you put out on Instagram and how you make connections with people in your DMs, do you have any specific strategies that you can share regarding Instagram? Do you post a story every day? Do you do carousels, reels? Tell us a little bit more about what you found works for you on Instagram. Yeah. And I feel like this is something I'm trying to hone and learn a little bit better myself and try different things. By no means have I mastered the formula, but what I have found so far is I do try to share in my stories as much as possible. I try to share more personal things or like, what I'm eating or like, I went to the gym with my husband and I took a sweaty selfie. Sweaty selfies are something that I have a lot of my clients do. Like when they've done a workout, they send me their sweaty selfie. Like I did it. And it is really motivating for them. So once in a while, I try to share a sweaty selfie when I've come back from the climbing gym. So I'll share things like that in my stories. I try to every single Monday share a what's happening this week story and explaining what's on my agenda. Am I meeting with clients? Am I following up with people? Am I doing a podcast or other things that people can maybe look out for? So I try to be somewhat consistent in my stories without feeling like I'm just trying to put something out there for the sake of putting it out there. Cause then that starts to feel a little bit less genuine. Yeah. 
And then in terms of content, I try to rotate between doing just the image posts, a carousel post, sharing more information, and then some reels. I've found I am very much a writer. I really enjoy writing. I'm not as comfortable, like I said, with video. I'm trying to get better with that. Mm-hmm. So it's very natural for me to enjoy writing my captions. Like that is something I enjoy doing unless I'm just not in a creative mood, but I enjoy writing out captions. And a lot of times I will just put that with an image that I have. And yeah, that's where most of my content, I guess, comes from is I like to think it out and write it out well first and repurpose that into email sometimes or repurpose it into a blog post or vice versa, things like that. Hmm. It sounds like there's still a lot of still, there's always a lot of experimentation to hone what works best for your audience, what works best for you and come to a balance between the two things. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I find people really resonate the most when they can see your face. So if it is a reel or a photo that is a selfie or a picture of me with my dog, or just doing something where they can see who I am. That really resonates the most, I think, with people. And then I always make sure to have a well-written caption or something that I do want to share with people. Content that I've noticed doesn't get quite as much engagement, but I think it's important for it to be there. When I mentioned earlier, people will be consuming your content, whether you're really aware of it because of the metrics or not. So having things like the carousels where you share information or how-to posts or use this tool or whatever... It may not be the sexiest posts, I like to say, or the ones that get the most likes or something like that, or the most comments, but people are consuming it. And it's important for that to be there almost like this. It's a more casual version of your website. There needs to be some information sprinkled in, but I find the most engagement comes with posts where people can really see who you are, see your face, learn something about you as well Mm -hmm. as how you help people. Okay. That's very interesting. Let's just kind of summarize here. We've been talking a lot about relationships and how you build the relationships with your referral partners, meeting people, taking that conversation over to Instagram. And and it sounds like then the next step for you would be a discovery call. Yeah. If somebody is interested in working with me and having a health coach, and just learning more about the program. I open it up four times a year. I think next year I might do three, but that's usually when I do my discovery calls for at least four to six weeks. It's a free discovery call. It's almost like a sampling of free coaching as well as learning about the program. Okay. So your program is a group program or is it all one-on-one? No, so it's all one-on-one and it's month-to-month health coaching support. You can do it for as little as I think three months is my minimum, but I always tell people, give yourself the gift of a long-term commitment because generally you're going to see the most traction and the most change if you stick with it for, I would say even at least six months, depending on what your goals are. But a lot of my clients have been with me for a year, if not more, we're going on a year. And they've just been growing a lot. And it's just a great relationship to be able to do it month to month and have that support for as long as you need. Ongoing support. All right. I have this little section in the podcast interview where I ask a few questions that I call fast on your feet questions. Don't overthink these questions, but I just wanted to help 
the audience here get to know you a little bit better. So okay. here we go. What's the best business advice you've ever been given? Well, I mean, I guess I would say this seems very appropriate for what we're talking about, but honestly, I would say, and this is probably from every business coach I've talked to, but most recently I would credit it to Marisa, is really building community and relationships is the most important thing. I think, especially in the beginning, you have this mindset of, well, I can do it all myself and I can do this on my own. And I wasn't leaning into relationships quite as much. And it was so lonely and it just was a lot harder to grow. So really leaning into relationships with your peers and other people you can collaborate with, other coaches, leaning into other business coaches and people that can help you to grow, as well as the relationships you're building with potential clients as well. Building relationships is honestly just the number one thing that you need to focus on. You can't do it all by yourself. <laughs> That's for sure. Oh, that is so true. And just to clarify, it's Marisa Corcoran that we're, that you yes. were talking about, right? Yes, the lovely okay. Marisa Corcoran. Yes, we both love Marisa. Second question. What's a favorite book, personal growth and development, business related, or it could be a fictional book. What book would you recommend everyone read and why? So I'm trying to become a better reader and I joined a book club this year to work on that. So I've been reading oh. more than normal. And I'm reading, I'm in the middle of a book right now that I think is great. The book that I would probably recommend, I feel like this is very basic and every coach is already probably aware of this, but Atomic Habits. Oh, it's, yes. It's a oldie but goodie. And I use a lot of the tools that are in the book and apply them to my clients. And it really has helped them achieve a lot of breakthroughs. It helps me with building habits and things like that. I think it's easy to apply to somebody who's not a coach and is just mm -hmm. living a normal life. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, a great Atomic book. Habits is really useful and practical and applicable to your life. All right. I'm going to ditto that. I love that book. All right. And then here's the last question. If you had one takeaway from our talk today, what nugget would you want everyone to leave with? I would just say that lean into the relationships that you have, lean into the people that are already in your circle, be open to making new relationships, go out there and have fun making relationships, not necessarily looking to get clients, but just to expand your horizons, find a new cute restaurant, have an act activity that you got to enjoy and maybe meet a few new people. Maybe something will come of it. Maybe you'll just make a new friend. Maybe you'll find your next client but just have fun doing it and let go of the expectation or the outcome that's attached to it. Ooh. Such a mic drop moment right there. <laughs> All right. I know that there are going to be people who would love to connect with you further. So how can people make that further connection with you and learn more about your work? You can follow me on Instagram. That's primarily where I'm at, at Jillian Beck Rogers. I'm also on LinkedIn. Not quite as active on LinkedIn, but follow me on Instagram. And then I have a free gift that you can get on my website or through the link in my Instagram bio. It's my nine healthy snack and breakfast ideas. It is full recipes and really cute little illustrations that I did myself, but it's oh, a fun, cool. yeah, it's a fun thing you can print out. And the idea was for it to be kept in your kitchen and it has the full recipes 
for very simple, easy breakfast and snack recipes that you can make ahead for the week so that if you are busy and running around, you can have these things to keep your blood sugar from spiking and keep your energy up and feel really good in your body and have those ahead of time. And you can grab that at jillianhealthandwellness.com forward slash snack dash breakfast dash ideas. And it's my nine healthy snack and breakfast ideas. Beautiful. Okay. I'm going to put all of those links where you can connect with Jillian. That'll all be in the show notes. So don't have to worry about writing it down right now. Just make sure that you look into the show notes and get all the connection links and the link to get that nine healthy breakfast and snacks from mm -hmm. Jillian. I can't wait to look at that because I want to see your illustrations too. <laughs> I had a lot of fun putting it together. I love writing recipes, but doing the illustrations with it was just, so I try to incorporate fun into what I'm doing. Yeah, and that's, that's how I do it. <laughs> absolutely. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for all this great information, Jillian. It's been such a pleasure having you here on the show today. Thank you for having me. This is really fun. And thank you all for tuning in to this episode of the She's Got Content podcast. And remember, you've got a mission to reach the people you're meant to help. Getting your expert content out of your head and out of your heart and out there into the world is the way you'll accomplish that. You've got content. Be sure you're sharing it everywhere. See you again next week. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the She's Got Content podcast. I hope you got at least one nugget to take action on this week. If you got value from today's episode, I would be so grateful when you leave a five-star rating wherever you listen to podcasts. It only takes a second, and it really helps me get my message out to impact even more people so they can, in turn, keep the ripple going. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts and leave a review of the show, it would really make my day, and you just might receive a shout-out on the show as my content creator of the week when I read out your review. And last but never least, if you want an endless supply of just right ideas for content you can write about for your blog post, your emails, your videos, podcast episodes, all the content things, then you want to head over to my website at she'sgotcontent.com forward slash content and pick up your free workbook, Never Run Out of Content Ideas. Look for that link in the show notes today, along with the other links mentioned in today's episode. Until next time, content creators, you've got an audience waiting to hear from you and you've got content to share with them. Stop being the best kept secret and make a bigger impact when you've got content out there in the world. <laughs> <laughs>